Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we'll be talking about the 15th episode of Riverdale Season 3, American Dreams. I'm Mary Kukowski, and I am joined, as always, by the remarkable Kirsten McInnes. Kirsten, how are you doing this evening? Stop. I think we need to just go back to wonderful. <laughs> hey, I had to I had to pull up my thesaurus and look up <laughs> synonyms for fantastic, and that's what I found. The, the uh, compliments are getting out of hand. I'm going to get a big head. I don't um, think it's as bad, though, as, uh, as Haley from... Big brother. I mean, you never compliment my physical appearance. You know better. You know to compliment other aspects of me. So it's really I'm complimenting good. your overall being and spirit. Yeah, you know, I love it. No, that's how I am. You're not just like Julie. You're looking lovely today. Julie, you're looking resplendent today. <laughs> Did she use resplendent? Because that's pretty good. I hope so, but I don't remember the actual ones. I don't either. Oh well. Well, anyway, let's dive into this episode. We're just gonna cut through the banter this morning. I, I have to say, what time is it? It's five o'clock. Wow. <laughs> I thought we were recording at three. What happened to that nonsense? Well, that was when we were supposed to record and then I fell asleep. I didn't realize that it like came. I didn't realize how much time had passed. It's oh. now three my time. Yikes. We also well, talked for a little while once we came on. So <sighs> it's not as late as it seems, but I mean, it's Sunday afternoon. What else do you have to do except for talk well, with me? But Riverdale. I, I am in a tournament right now on Cooking Fever. Cooking Fever, I think I've mentioned before, the best app game, the only app game anyone should ever be playing. And so it ends at midnight, and so I need to need to get back to playing that whenever I can. Okay, well, I don't know how to respond to that. But anyways, it's really exciting. This is the 50th episode of Riverdale. Wow, really? That's oh, I was going to say. That's what Hannah said. I'm like, oh, I don't think we've recorded 50 podcasts, but I forgot we started in season three. Yeah. So yeah, we haven't. We uh, have not <laughs> done season two yet, and we have not finished season one, but. We will eventually. Yeah, we will, of course. This was actually the first episode in a long time that I think felt more like an OG Riverdale episode. Like, it wasn't too crazy. Nothing, like, super shocking or out there happened. There wasn't anything too weird. Like, yeah, there was still talk of like, griffins and gargoyles and stuff. But but all in all, I felt like it was a little bit more what I have been wanting season three to be. Uh, I feel like yes and no. Like, it was more, like, family drama but it was still just like kind of there was something off about it I don't know exactly what it was just slightly off but it was still a good episode I I watched it twice because the first time I literally absorbed nothing like I finished it and I was like what just happened I don't remember any of it and I was like well I certainly cannot podcast with this level of knowledge so I watched it again and I was maybe that's what's putting me in like a weird headspace about it but it just like it was fine it's a good episode it was definitely not the worst I I don't think that there like I I promise you, I still have issues with it. We'll get to that. But I, 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 I get what you mean about the whole thing felt a little bit like less special. But I think if all of the episodes from season three had been more like this, we would have fewer problems overall. I think the reason it's a little more forgettable is because it is just kind of like a normal episode, which I liked. And and the, with the exception of Veronica, most of the characters' plot lines like actually interacted this time. We had some like actual communication within characters, and there were there was a few payoffs that I've been looking for since like the beginning of season three that we finally got this episode. Yeah. Well, okay, fine. I guess you've won me over, so. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump in first to the Jughead voiceover. Jughead says, what exactly is the American dream? For my dad, on the 
eve of his 50th birthday, the American dream was this. A father, a mother, a son, a daughter, a loyal hound, food on the table. The only thing missing was dot dot dot. And let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. What the heck is the only thing that's missing? Was that answered in this episode? Because I'm not really sure what it was supposed to be. Um, I think the only thing missing was some answers or possibly Betty like being there. I mean Alice? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Like I I could it could be like love, because like he's got his family back together, but he's not really like in love with Gladys. So I think that that's potentially I just what it is. Also, so FP is turning fifty. Um, so it seems like all of these people waited to have kids until their mid thirties. Their kids are sixteen. So like that means they would have had their kids when they were around like thirty-four, which is like that I mean isn't the worst. Like my mom had me when she was thirty-four, but I was the youngest. And I just feel like I wouldn't have expected him to be 50. Yeah, I, my parents are also fairly young. Uh, they had they had my brother when they were 32, and that was their youngest mm-hmm. child. So I think my mom started having kids like around 29. So I think maybe 28, 28, 29, somewhere around there. So yeah, like I, my parents are only in their early 30s. Or early 30s. Oh my, my god! Only, <laughs> my parents are only in their early 50s now. Uh, and like I, I think that it's mostly more accurate because of the age of the actor. Let me see. What's his name? Yeah, because I'm just sitting there like my dad was 32 and my mom was 34 when they had me, but I was the youngest and there was like a four-year age gap between me and my older sister and then like a five-year age gap between her and my half-sister. So it's like very weird to me that they would have had their first kids at 34. Four-ish? So I just looked up all of the parents. Skeet Ulrich, who plays FP, is 49 years old. And all of the other parents are within 45 to about 50, 52-ish. So that is like, I mean, that, that's pretty accurate toward the age they're playing. Wow, you never get that. You always have parents who are like super young, like in their like four, like early like, 40s honestly, on these TV shows. I feel so like it, happy about this. it would have even made, just like to, I don't know. I feel like Riverdale is the town where you would have expected everyone to like start their family super young. Like I honestly... Yeah would have bought it if they'd been like yeah this is fp's 40th birthday and he had his kid at like in his mid-20s like i could see that in riverdale yeah i think that's the thing that's different but but i prefer them it's better to have them older than younger for sure though yeah and i and i prefer them having their age be approximately the age of the character or the actor rather than like what would fit with a normal show like this uh but so i'm not i'm not upset about it the thing that i am upset with this voiceover is more the fact that he says it's the eve of his father's birthday so everything happens within two days which let me tell you does not make any sense based on the things that the events that happen in this episode it needs to happen over at least three days unless the birthday party is not on his actual birthday which is also possible or maybe the voiceover happens at a different time than everything else and it actually like rewinds backwards a little bit mm, i don't that's know possible. I, that's possible i don't i think we might read too much into the jughead voiceovers no you can never read too much into the jughead voiceovers it's what i base everything about the episode on it's my favorite part of the episode. Okay, moving on. Let's talk about Veronica because Veronica, like I said, is the only one who has kind of a different plot line than everyone else in the episode. And it's so Veronica. Not good. <laughs> no, I mean, I, Veronica's whole plot line, honestly, I have it broken up into four bullet points. It's all one thing, though. The the one thing is Reggie is feeling underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't know. I fluctuate between, like, both whose side I'm on because majority I'm on Reggie's side. Reggie has a point here. He does everything for her. Mm-hmm. He has given up 
up his car and he he talks and about his how education he's like education and yeah he he talks about how he's like a pit boss or whatever and he's also a uh, like a bartender and her errand boy and does all these different things and then like the thing they don't mention is I'm pretty sure didn't he get shot for her at one point too yeah, he got didn't shot he get robbing shot? his dad yeah like I feel like that would have been a bigger thing to mention rather than just like I gave up my car I can't remember so, that time I got shot yeah so like honestly I I'm on his side for feeling bad for him but I'm not really on his side for like when he asks to be a partner a business partner with her that doesn't really make any sense just because first off why does he want to be getting into business with someone he knows is in debt and two he's not giving her any incentive though for like why being business partners is better than the current arrangement she has with him it's like he doesn't have money to pay her to like buy into the business to be a business partner so I don't really understand like he thinks he's just gonna like get a share of the business I don't really know yeah Yeah, I feel like when you when you normally have business partners it's either because like there's so much work that you need to give it to someone else and you're doing fine so the money the cut of the money is not going to be a problem or like there's a bribery issue where you have to give someone like half the business because of some other reason um so I I don't know and she's so close to paying off her debt I feel like just wait until she's done paying off her debt and then maybe be like hey it'd be cool if we added this element to our business and also I'm totally willing to take it over but I would like bigger stake in the company that's like a more reasonable way of doing this but their kids yeah I was gonna say but they are 16 years old and so then Veronica finally like has a check for Reggie and is like I think this is a fair starting salary for you which leads me to question has Reggie been working for free this entire time because like that's really not okay I read that I was like oh my gosh has he not been getting paid at all this is terrible like I was Uh, like um excuse me like Reggie know your worth you got shot for free yeah and of course it's also combined with this complicated like they are dating but like taking it slow and so I'm not even sure if they were ever officially dating and she she does have a point with saying like yeah don't you know I just got out of a relationship though it's like yes except like you've been dating him for a lot longer than that then you got back in the relationship with Archie then you got out of the relationship and immediately jumped back with Reggie so like it's not like you've been telling him no 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 yeah. I, I don't I, I just I'm not really like I feel like she's been leading him on too much then I feel like this is all gearing up at the end of the season Archie and Veronica are going to be back together and so they needed to have some kind of way to insert the drama to make it seem like the Reggie relationship isn't so much better on every level which it is because Reggie is the best and hottest man in the show um and so it's just kind of ugh, whatever but Reggie does not accept this you know payment as like a reasonable first step which I mean I feel like a salary is a great first step and so he decides you know what I want my car back and I don't care I'm gonna try to steal from Gladys what yeah yeah, I like, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I do think that he shouldn't have had to give up the car in the first place. But it, the the trying to steal the car is just, he's just a little bit, it's a little reckless, which is what Veronica says. And she ends up having to pay for this 50th birthday party anyway, which probably would have been a pretty big dent in the debt that she owes Gladys. So it's all just like not a great situation. And Reggie still has an issue with how she's treating him. So at the end of the episode, like t- she gives him his car back. She buys it back. But like, did they break up? 
up? I was kind of confused. I Did think he quit working. I, I don't really know. Where I we think stand. they broke up because she's like, he's like, I need to be treated better, like blah blah blah. And then Veronica says, Well, here's your car back, and now we don't owe each other anything. I would argue she owes him back pay for all the yes. hours, but okay. <laughs> she still, she still owes him a lot. She just gave him the car. That's not anywhere near enough. Oh, but yeah, I don't know. I really didn't like Veronica in this episode. I didn't like her storyline. I don't like the way she treats Reggie. I feel bad for Reggie. Uh, like, yeah, I Reggie don't feel any sympathy for Ro- Veronica at all. No, none. Like, are we supposed to? I don't know. I like. I'm gonna even say this. I I agree with uh, the tweet we got before. I think Veronica is is overtaking Archie in in my disdain for a character. Overtaking? No. In the same <laughs> league? Close. It's close. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, Archie like wasn't as bad this week. Maybe um, I'm just coming around. Stop. <laughs> We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's talk about uh, Cheryl and Tony, a.k.a. Shoney. I, I don't know who that is. I know who Cheryl and Tony are. Uh-huh. Uh, so it starts out, Cheryl's like, don't you think this completely impractical jacket would be great for a ski vacation in Quebec? Um, Tony's like, who's going to Quebec? And Cheryl's like, oh, yeah, I've planned this entire vacation without consulting you, which is not cool. But then Tony replies that she and the Pretty Poisons are going to go on a road trip for spring break. So she also made plans without consulting Cheryl. So both of them are in the wrong just to start this off. Yeah, let me just like come in with this. I, maybe I just forgot because it's been a little while. Is Cheryl out of the Pretty Poisons? Did that happen officially? I think it's she like... kicked out? I think she kind of... Took a step back. Step back because Tony was like, this is my gang, not yours. Isn't that what happened last week? Yeah, but I thought that just meant that like, okay, so Cheryl's not like the... the queen yeah but you think cheryl's gonna be like a member of the gang and be like uh in like a subordinate i don't know i just feel kind of bad for cheryl about this uh and 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 so tony goes to work and cheryl comes to bring tony some cherry scones of course which like i like scones but i feel like cherry scones would not be the best scones Uh, yeah i feel like cherry's not the best fruit to put in a scone you know they do like some uh cranberry orange scones like that that sounds delicious get get me one of those yeah, so she shows up and she's like, do you know where Tony is tonight? Like, I want to bring her these because we had, like, an argument. Uh, and Reggie's like, uh, you'll find her downstairs. You can tell he doesn't really know what to do. What What did you think about that? Like, don't you think, or I feel like Reggie should have been like, yeah, heads up. She's, like, not working either. I mean, are Tony and Reggie friends? I don't know. Maybe. And, like, I feel I like Reggie's idea. so mad at Veronica right now that he kind of wants maybe Cheryl to be mad at Veronica, too, which would be like a lot like part of this i don't know i guess that that could work uh but yeah so tony is not working she is instead singing on the stage with veronica and it like does not help that tony is singing a song about like finding a new girlfriend and stuff yeah it's literally like call her up tell her it's not her fault but you found someone new yeah it's it's rough uh i feel bad for cheryl and she leaves and then like come to find out later cheryl cheryl talks with nana rose and tony is paying for rent which I think Cheryl takes as like, oh, so she's not just happy, like living with me, like she's trying to like, um, how do I explain this? She's like, Tony is paying for it so that it's not a favor Cheryl is doing. Well, and I think it's one of those things where like Cheryl has always had money. So she doesn't really maybe understand like the power dynamic of her having Tony live with her rent free, where it's like it puts her above Tony in a way, probably in Tony's eyes. And Tony wants to pay her own way and be an independent person. And it's not necessarily an insult or anything. It's just people 
prefer to pay their own way, right? I guess, yeah. But, like, I mean, to be fair, uh, Cheryl has messed up a few times. But she also has done a lot for Tony. Like, not just the housing, but she got her that, like, college recommendation and gave her a gang and stuff. I feel like Tony is being a little bit unappreciative. Yeah, but I feel like it comes from, like, she wants to be, like, a self-made person and she doesn't want things handed to her. I feel like she's probably uncomfortable with that aspect of the, like, relationship. Yeah, that's true. So, Cheryl goes to the speakeasy and can we talk about the red dress she's wearing? I need it. Oh, my God. Like, the, like, cape over one arm and like plunging in neckline the and high it, slit the, and it's like it's beautiful mm, the red and satin and i just i need it i need that like, gown where was that when i was going to prom like i don't know beautiful. where i'm supposed to wear that gown to but oh. i need it i need it I, I loved it so much i knew you would like that uh so cheryl comes and she's like definitely scoping out the area and making sure tony sees that uh she also asks for a bellini which i feel like is a weird thing to ask for at night unless this is not at night which why are there all these people in a speakeasy not at night i don't don't know but regardless i don't think we need to judge people for wanting a bellini they are delicious i am not saying that i'm just saying that i have recently been judged for ordering a mojito in the winter so i would i mean i think you can at lita if you need to and (laughs) you're allowed to have a mojito anytime okay who cares oh yeah so so that that happens so then cheryl sneaks back at night to uh i don't know open a safe but i don't think she actually really wants to she's just trying to get tony she to wants her, that like, spark back in her relationship i guess okay so this is like definitely the most steamy scene not only of the episode but like we've seen in a really long time the, it is the most i would say even out of all the other sex scenes we have seen in riverdale this is like the hottest sex scene we've seen oh yeah by far and i think i'm not really sure i mean part of it is like the music was great the setting is great the costuming is great uh the the girls are like they just act really well and there's like definitely like palpable chemistry there i think a lot of it also has to do with the sort of like like not really anger but like tension it's like makeup sex right yeah kind of but it's also kind of like breakup sex at the same time it's kind of it's kind of both so really liked the scene um my my main critique with it is uh tony puts a blindfold on cheryl and then immediately takes it off i'm like what was the point of that like at least keep it on for a little it was also i thought it was funny how she put the blindfold on cheryl and then immediately starts giving her like a lap dance but like not a lap dance and it's like she can't she can't see what you're doing like this isn't the time (laughs) yeah it was definitely i thought it was definitely really great i was really happy with the whole scene um but and and it's it's combined with the archie plotline later that we can get to they like to do this a lot like have sort of a a a violent scene happening at the same time intercut with a more romantic scene they just want to cover all their bases some people don't like the sex scenes some people don't like the violent scenes but what everybody loves is a jump cut i guess (laughs) okay yeah so uh and then sure Cheryl and Tony finally sit down to have a mature talk afterward in the speakeasy. And I'm I'm like, "Mm, it's like with Reggie, I'm about like 90% on Tony's side here. Tony is being like really mature about it. It's like, hey, like, I just feel like, you know, I like your room is just your room. And then I still a guest there. And I it doesn't feel like my space. Maybe it was still maybe it was a little early to move in together. And then Cheryl's immediately like, wow, what guess we shouldn't have moved in together at all. Well, that's not exactly what she was saying. She was just saying it was too early. And like, maybe you shouldn't have if this is how you're going to react to an open, honest conversation. Yeah, and I mean, like, 
so Cheryl storms out. I, th- th- like, is this, was, is, are they breaking up? I'm so confused on this episode. This one, I'm like a little bit more unsure. I feel like it's almost like Cheryl feels like they've broken up, but maybe Tony doesn't agree. Maybe. I don't know. I, I think like, I would love to have a little bit of, well, we can get to it in a second, but I think based on what the next episode is previewing, I think that it, we're probably going to have like one episode of them sort of being in a fight and then maybe maybe Tony will even have like another potential love interest and then they'll probably get back together at some point. Um, So I like that. The only reason I'm not 100% on Tony's side though is because she did lie to Cheryl at the same time and say that she was going to work when she wasn't. Yeah, that's, the dishonesty is not great but other than that, I mean, eh. But yeah, so, so like this is what I'm talking about with the next scene though. So Cheryl and Kevin talk. Kevin just shows up at the end of the episode after not having been there at all which is kind of a bummer but he Cheryl is playing croquet yes which which is a reference to Heather's by the way yes I was gonna say should we talk about how like okay obviously you have to be playing croquet while talking about Heather's um and she might have even I don't remember but she might have been wearing plaid she was certainly wearing a plaid skirt okay okay just thought that was happening so (laughs) Cheryl's like hey you know how we did a musical last year yeah we're doing that again and it's gonna be Heather's and Kevin's like um yeah the coast the farm is co-sponsoring this musical and it's gonna be Godspell which I thought was funny and then (laughs) Cheryl's like nope I'm gonna be Heather Chandler and we're doing Heather's and Kevin's just like okay like yeah what what power does was does Cheryl have over Kevin well I feel like he's just it's not worth the fight I also am a little surprised that the school is doing another musical after what happened last time like someone got murdered last time but okay Uh. we'll do it again uh, and we'll continue the theme of musicals that are like dark but comedy musicals or whatever um so did you watch the preview because i definitely think the musical episode is going to be the next episode i did not watch the preview because i saw that it was going to be a musical episode and i'm really (laughs) really upset about it i don't think that their first musical episode was done well at all i remember hating it i'm dreading that we have i have to watch it again to cover it on this podcast and now they're doing another one i am very upset i think it's fun i don't know i like i'm the only one who probably wasn't against the musical episode i really liked it i thought it was fun i think it's a nice break in the the story kind of no and and stuff gets everyone back at school stop the first musical episode is i think the only episode of riverdale where i had to take a break from watching it and come back the next day to watch the second half i'm dreading this no it's gonna be great so are you very are you familiar with the musical heathers um i'm not familiar with the musical but i've seen the movie okay so i have watched most of the musical just like on youtube other productions of it that are out there i've never actually like sat down and seen it live i've never seen the heathers movie because i was introduced to the musical concept first and then i felt like oh the movie would just be a letdown it's probably not it's probably also still really good i mean good it's one of those ones where it's like a cult classic movie where it's like a very enjoyable watch but can you really say it's good well the best part of heathers is this particular song and if you've seen it i don't know i i think the song candy store which i would look it up because i would look it up probably before you watch the episode next week because i want everyone to have just like a really good image of what this song could be i know they're gonna do it they're not gonna do every song from the musical but they're going to have to do candy store it's best it's like the mean girls song where the three heathers sing it and i'm really 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 excited for how they're gonna do it because 
is it's just like a great awesome song so i'm really excited for them doing candy store so who's gonna play all of the heathers right so from the preview i can tell you if you don't want spoilers on who is going to be the heathers go ahead and like stop listening for like two minutes and then i'll I'll put the time in when you can come back so the heathers spoilers that i saw is uh heather chandler the red heather the stop sign heather is going to be cheryl like she said she wanted to be and then interestingly heather mcnamara the yellow heather the yield sign heather is going to be veronica and green heather a aka Heather Duke, is going to be Betty, which I thought was the only one that kind of didn't fit. I would have swapped probably Betty and Veronica, but... I don't know. Maybe it's because Betty doesn't wear a lot of yellow. But she she has blonde hair. She's yellow. She's the yellow one. Yeah, but the blonde one is usually Heather McNamara. That's fine. It doesn't, I mean, it so doesn't matter which one is which, but I just feel like that's going to be interesting. I can't, like, again, I have not seen the whole musical, so maybe there's, like, songs that they're going to do individually that would work better. I'm just so excited for some hip-shaking candy store, so. I just, I want, I'm going to have to look into this musical more, because I want how much of it is actually similar to the movie and how much it's is pretty different i mean it's pretty like people die <laughs> yeah i don't know who's going to play like the main character is not a heather and i'm not sure who is going to be that person yet probably based on this previous episode it's probably gonna be tony so we'll see if tony pops in there well, and i feel like tony makes the most sense for that like grungy yeah. anti-heather yeah so i'm excited for it we'll see how it goes you can dislike it all you'd like i am not I'm looking not. forward to it at all i'm sorry Sorry. I wish that I could, but I just, I can't. Okay. Well, too bad. I'm st- I still have to watch it, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You still got a podcast about it, too. <laughs> okay, everyone. Let's get into the Archie plot line. The big, one of the two bigger plot lines of this episode. So Jughead finds the Wardens kill the Red Paladin card, and they want to discover who is printing and distributing all these cards, because maybe that'll track down how to stop this whole thing. Now, here is why I like the Archie plot line in this episode, because I'm sick and tired of Archie being a marked man, and if we can wrap that up, I'm going to be happy with it like all the more better i think some of the reasons we don't like archie is because he's such a downer and he's so much like self-sacrificing and i would just rather let's like clean slate that and bring back like fun archie if that was ever a thing um yeah i was gonna say first of all i disagree fundamentally with the premise of fun archie uh and second of all you know like it's fine whatever get this plot line over with but this never none of this had to happen like every single archie plot point that we have had in at least a season and a third i would say has been useless and irrelevant and not necessary, but they're doing it anyways, and hopefully this does end it. So Archie talks with Hiram because that's who he thinks is printing and distributing the cards because he knows that Hiram was working for Warden Norton, or other way around. He knows Warden Norton was working for Hiram, and so that's a good place to start. So first off, how do you feel about Hiram just being, like, honest now and just admitting everything he's done and sort of helping Archie? I mean, it's weird. It is certainly not what I would have anticipated, uh, but I'm glad that we didn't have to spend like two episodes of like Hiram dancing around this issue and like sending Archie on a wild goose chase like as you said at least it just happened and it's over now yeah about three different times this episode I thought oh my gosh this is a trap Hiram is going to trap Archie and then it never really happened he was kind of honest with him up front now I don't think it's going to necessarily stay that way but for now it seems like it Hiram admits that he printed out 12 cards so one of them he gave to Warden Norton one of them ended up with Joaquin's younger brother and then the other ones he gave to Tallboy to distribute among the gargoyles. So 
Hiram also gives Archie a list of his Fizzle Rock, like, hot spots where he would distribute those and where people would hang out and play G&G. And so Archie's going to go around, his plan with Jughead and Betty is to go around and try to figure out if anybody has these cards. Now, here is the part that I'm kind of annoyed with, though. It's like Hiram is half in. He's helping Archie by giving him this information. But if Hiram was the one who started this, why can't Archie just tell Hiram, like, why don't you go to these locations yourself? Why don't you just stop it yourself? Like, this truce doesn't really make any sense because Archie's not getting anything out of it. I mean, he's getting information, but he's still, like, I don't know. I was worried that Archie would go to these locations and just, like, get stabbed immediately. Well, and yeah, that's the thing is I, Hiram is still Hiram and he still has, like, some sort of larger game going on. And maybe he thought that Archie would, like, hunt down these people and then, like, get killed and then it would take care of the problem, right? Uh, it, um, it kind of reminds me of, oh, did you watch One Tree Hill? No, I didn't. Okay, well, there's a character in One Tree Hill, I'm going to do this in a non-spoiler way, that if anybody watched, they will know, is sort of the villain of the first couple seasons and kind of the whole show. And at some point has, like, a big life event that happens and uh, ends up being nice for a little while. And that's how I feel about Hiram right now, is sort of like they had a near-death experience and almost like almost two near-death experiences and then because of that they're acting nice but I don't think it's gonna last I think at some point that they're still gonna go after Archie because the the key here is like Archie yes they have a truce and yes Archie saved Hiram but also it would still be easier for Hiram probably overall if Archie was just like that loose end was tied up and he was cut out of the picture and you bring up a very good point no one is talking enough about Archie having brought a gun to Hiram's hospital room to begin with yeah. Like, that should have been a topic of discussion. I, I think probably it's just sort of was implied that Archie said that he, like, probably just got the gun off. Like, uh, no, I don't know. No, because didn't he also have a gun? Yeah, I'm not sure. Not really sure what how they solved that one. But anyway, so Archie tells Betty and Jughead about the quest cards and everything. And I, again, why are Betty and Jughead so chill with this plan? Why do they not think it's a trap? Not sure. Uh, We're back in the bang bunker for a second, though. So what do you think of uh, some of the places where the... Um, the fizzle rocks were distributed were the suds laundromat innuendo which i think was the was that the gay club i think so i think so and the comic book shop which the comic book shop just to say is mlj comics which was the original name of archie comics oh so good to know back back in Um, 1939 the company began under that name i didn't really find any of the places remarkable at all except for the comic book store and it's just because the main like gng guy in the comic book store was so creepy. I was like, oh, enough with like the long straight hair is just. Yeah, but actually like this one made the most sense to me. Like people in a comic book store would probably be the most likely people to play like a Dungeons and Dragons type game. And he looked like the most like just sort of typical kind of person you would think would be playing that as opposed to like uh, some of these gargoyle gang people who seem to. I mean, they seem more like people who would be drug addicts, but not necessarily. I think it's um, an allegory on that you never know what people are going through or who's doing what. Yeah, probably. I don't it's know. probably exactly that. Also, Jughead says something before they go on this quest that really bugged me. He's like, oh, uh, our nerdiest mystery yet continues. Dude, you're one to talk. You were like going on and on telling people that you were a game master. Like you were in on this. Like he's all speaking down on the whole people playing G&G. He was doing that too. I mean, he loves it. Yeah. So the main thing that I get annoyed with besides the Hiram stuff is just how all of these people like in the comic book shop and stuff are just openly talking about like yeah we're we're planning on murdering you Archie like that's yeah. the main thing that's kind of like the openly talking about like killing people I know you're in this game but 
but I don't know. Your brain would just have to go so far to be like, yeah, this is a this is an okay thing to just be open about. It's yeah, it's just very weird, and the way that they talk again, it's just creepy. I don't like it. And then they come up with this plan to you know get rid of the red paladin cards. And guess what? It's the same plan they already did, where they're like, we can just manipulate this G and G quest to end in a different way. And I'm like, we've done this before. Like, I don't care. Couldn't they just have Betty be like, I'm the Griffin Queen, and I put a proclamation to protect the red palette like it's just stupid i'm just so sick of g and g yeah yeah the, the thing that annoyed me about this number one that it took so long to come up with the same idea they already had that already worked flawlessly and also that they come up with a way yes that the quest will end but that still involves archie getting beat up like why can't they the quest just be like oh like killing the red paladin is like a symbol for something you just have to go like bring us some berries or whatever i don't know they could have like just changed the quest completely so that it didn't have anything to do with killing Archie or, or it could be like you're symbolically killing Archie by like shooting him with a paintball gun or I don't know something like it could have just been I don't know whatever so instead they basically do this thing where they're like ah, Archie is going to uh, go to a boxing ring that he gets the keys from from Hiram which was also sketchy like I would not have trusted that at all yep. I really thought Hiram was gonna like booby trap the place or something didn't happen and I wish he had I'm just getting on edge which I think I'm being lulled into like a false sense of security with Hiram like I think something's still gonna happen eventually mm-hmm. but yeah so instead basically everyone comes and they're going to present their card they get three minutes to fight Archie they cannot have weapons and it's one person at a time and like overall it's pretty it's it seems fine it's fine but then there's this part where Archie's like how many of these guys am I gonna have to fight Archie you know there's 12 cards you know that you already have one of the cards you know there's 11 cards yeah I, I don't know why though they said like oh there's gonna be a 12 hour window except then like everyone showed up and he just fought back to back to back why, why didn't they just say like one person an hour like give Archie a time chance to rest well or I'm assuming well they should have done that for sure they should have made yeah, it like that have. but I'm assuming that They're the people coming they yeah charged. they set it up so they should have done that but I assume all the people coming to fight Archie are like if we all come at once we have a better chance of someone succeeding because he will be tired yeah, um, but yeah like Jughead and Betty should have and Archie should have thought of that and I also think it's just they're feeding into this narrative that Archie is like a good fighter and we know that technically that's not true so I'm saying well uh, but I don't think these people are necessarily good fighters either I'm kind of annoyed with the fact that we saw several fights but we didn't actually get to see any women fight Archie I mean I know like why they didn't do that It'd been kind of weird to see Archie like beating up some women but I thought it would have been cool to see anyway some, like, yeah I, I think that the CW is gonna try to avoid uh any scene of a man beating the crap out of a woman and I you know, I well, endorse like, that yeah I mean it 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 <laughs> Yes. But also, like, there were definitely some women who showed up to that fight. And so I I think that's a little bit, like, it's, like, sexist against the woman that they don't get a chance to do. I think, obviously, the premise that we know Archie's going to win, like, kind of doesn't work. Like, if this was a fight that a, the woman could have won, maybe they would have showed it. But. Yeah, I think the only chance they were ever showing Archie fight a woman is if the woman wins the fight. And in this situation, they could not have a woman win the fight, so they could not show it. Yeah. I, I also feel future, like though. Archie would refuse to fight a woman. Nah, probably. Yeah, probably. 
boy. Also, meanwhile, while this is happening, Jughead sends the serpent out to, he originally was sending them to distribute the flyers announcing the fight, but also to suss out if any information about the new drug trade is happening, Mm -hmm. which we'll get to part of that later. But (laughs) one thing I noticed was the uh, the new serpent names. Did you, do you like some of these? Weasel, Termite, Jinx. Those are all fine. I'm okay with those. And then one person's name is Old Deuteronomy. (laughs) Okay, so I'm also not okay with Termite. Hey, but I would still, like, Termite makes more sense, Imagine being okay with being called Weasel. Um, yeah, I'm okay with it. I don't know. Jinx was the best of all those. But, like, you can't just be Deuteronomy. It has to be Old Deuteronomy. Well, in Deuteronomy... Um, isn't there only one Deuteronomy book in the Bible? Yeah, I don't know. Is there a young Deuteronomy? No, Deuteronomy? there's no I'm New like so Testament confused. Deuteronomy. <laughs> I was so confused. Anyway, um, also he mentioned that there was a place called All About the Glaze. I, I, that was just dropped in there. I hope that's a donut place. I hope it's either donuts or like cinnamon buns. Yeah, um, could be something else, but we no, we don't want that to be a thing. Stop. <laughs> How dare you? Anyway, the only confusing part, too, is, like, Jughead is telling these serpents to go do this. Maybe it's just the ones he trusts, but we didn't get those names. I assume some of these are people who used to be gargoyle gang members who I thought were working for his mom yeah, in the I'm, first place. I'm so. assuming old Deuteronomy is a, gar- a gargoyle. Yeah, whatever. Uh, anyway, so Archie wins the paladin fight, obviously. One one dude comes in, some big guy, captain, something Yeah, other. he was from the prison. Yeah, and uh, he's the last one. And he like almost wins, and Jughead says to enter the Kraken, which is funny. And then and then Archie wins anyway, obviously. So that happens. It seemed pretty easy. Then Archie talks to Hiram again to like be like, yeah, I'm so happy that my quest succeeded, whatever. And gives Hiram the keys back. And then Hiram is like, no, you keep the keys. Take it as like a, a payment for for me trying to kill you. First off, that is not equal payment. Second off, this is just like when he gave him the car back in season two. Don't take anything from Hiram. Don't accept anything from him because even if he says no strings attached, there are probably strings attached. There are always strings attached with Hiram Lodge and they are attached to Archie's limbs as he will become a puppet once again. Oh, so yay. Honestly, so I'm, I'm, be- I'm better off with him being like Hiram's puppet. I liked it a lot better when Archie was on Hiram's side than with all of their stupid fighting because it's just not a matched fight. Like, Do you think that this is where Archie is going to get back together with Veronica? I think it's part she's of gonna it. she's going to see they close again. I think yeah. it's part of it. Um, And like, sure, like it, whatever. I guess if it has to happen, it has to happen. I just, I love the idea of, you know, the Archie comics are so centered around Betty and Veronica both love Archie and who is he going to pick and who is he going to be with? And then to have the show based on that where neither of those women ends up with Archie just made me happy. And I guess I just don't get to continue to be happy about it. No, but it, it was great. Uh, just the fact that they're not completely at each other's throats anymore. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I still don't think that the like the fight between the two of them is over, but I think they need to segue into the whole farm situation and they can't probably handle having both enemies at the same time. Yeah. So I am just happy that hopefully we never have to hear about the Red Paladin ever again. Let's hope. Knock on wood. I also, the last thing about that is he's like, I am a marked man and I'm sick of being a marked man. Now, Archie, no matter what, you still have this brand. Like, what, are they going to just peel it off? Like, yeah, but I, I feel like the gargoyle people, I mean, it kind of goes both ways because it's like, yes, the Red Paladin quest with the cards is over, but it could just like anybody could just still go up to the gargoyle people and be like, yeah, uh, Archie's still the Red Paladin. Go kill him. I don't have a card. but Yeah, like they're very you know. easily manipulated. Also, they could print more cards. 
Yep. Uh, or like someone they could like lose a card and then it gets found. I don't know. I just, it's just dumb. Whatever. Anyways, it's over with now. We can move on with our lives. We can go into the the big part of the episode with Gladys buying the Cooper's house. Yeah. So okay. So I was wrong because I thought that uh, <laughs> the anonymous buyer was gonna be Hiram because it's always been Hiram. Yeah. Uh, but I guess Gladys is the new Hiram, so it's kind of kind of. It's the same very thing. fitting that she also is anonymously buying stuff. Yeah. So she buys the Cooper house and then like seems surprised that Alice is there like did she not know whose house she was buying well and because we know that Alice was doing for sale by owner so it just doesn't make sense that she wouldn't know okay another thing did Gladys grow up as a serpent like because wouldn't she have known Alice like I wonder if there's any history there with Alice living on the south side and being a serpent and all that and then like when did Gladys meet FP when did that happen because she talks at the end of the episode about like how she lived a hard life and needed to fight for things but what is she always in the picture? Is she from Riverdale? I mean, I assume so. Yeah. So I think she would know the Coopers. I don't know. The whole buying someone else's house thing. I feel like this is weird in a show where all the characters like have lived in the same place their whole life and know each other. It's kind of weird to like, it, I feel like it's always going to feel like the Cooper house. Yeah. Like that. that's not the Jones house. It is the Cooper house. And I do like kind of what Alice said about how like this house is her past and it has bad memories and she wants to move on. And I get that. Her ex-husband is a murderer and that kind of taints the memories of that house. But no, I don't blame Alice for wanting to leave. But not getting a new place to live, that I do blame her for. Yeah, I don't know where she's supposed to be. She's going to the farm. farm, She was like, I'm selling the house and we are all going to be on the farm together. So I feel like it's also only a matter of time before Betty is like dragged against her will to the farm. Yeah, except I don't think Alice was going to the farm. Like, I think Alice is going to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. That's the farm now. Yeah, but like... it needs to be on a farm if you're gonna call it, call it like the crypt or whatever. Oh no, don't call it that. That's even worse. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. Uh, the other thing is that Jughead is just like, oh well, it's fine. You can just live with us. You can keep your room. No, 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 no. No. You really think that we wouldn't have some kind of plot line where JB is like, yeah, I this is my room now. Like you, Jughead, just because Jughead says something, and I'm sure FP would even be okay with it. Like Gladys and Jellybean are not gonna do that. Well, maybe if that got to be Jughead's room. Okay, that's fine. But st- and Jughead, as we've seen, has like no stuff. Yeah, so he needs fine. like it, Betty's bed frame and stuff. Right. But what I'm saying is like it's not Betty's house anymore. I mean, one of two things would happen: either Betty is going to be feeling like she's living in someone else's house, or the Joneses are going to feel awkward because like that's I don't know. I, it's just like the way I picture if I ever like moved back into my old house after someone else has been living in it for a while or something. Like it just wouldn't feel the same. I also just like the idea that everyone's so comfortable with their teenage children (laughs) living with each other is wild to me. Yep. So like, oh, yeah, it's totally fine, Betty. You can just come live with me. What? No. I mean, we've seen Tony and uh, Cheryl are not having great time living together. So Tony doesn't have a family and Cheryl kind of yeah, but Tony still feels awkward living in Cheryl's house. Oh That's yeah, oh yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I just don't. I think something wouldn't go right. Anyway, so FP and Alice talk, and finally we get at least some acknowledgement that they've had like some sort of something going on. Uh, Alice is basically like, oh yeah, like it's totally cool that you guys are moving in, but like I don't love seeing you and Gladys together. Mm-hmm. Which why have we not talked about this before? Yep. Gladys has been here for presumably like a month or two. Uh, but and and so it's really sad actually. She asks him, you know, do 
you love Gladys? And he says, well, she's the mother of my children. Fair point. Fair point. Yep. And then she says, well, like, do you love me? And he starts crying and he says it doesn't matter anymore. And so I guess they break up. And it's, it's like, really sad, except also, like, wait, can't, why can't they be together, though? Um, I, I don't know. I also just, like, I, I don't know. It just makes me so sad. I think part of what makes me sad about it is that if this was season, like, one or two Alice, Alice would have, like, responded by, like, getting in a really hot outfit and then, like, going to Gladys and being like, yeah, you know I've been banging FP. Like, that would have been Uh, I miss old Alice. Ugh. And the other thing, too, is it's just, like, we as the viewers know that Gladys is not genuine and she is not here for the right reasons. Um, And so, like... (laughs) Here for the right reasons. Alice is, though. Alice is here for the right reasons with FP. Yes. I think, I mean, how much do you bet? Like, I'm putting my stake on this now. I think this is going to, they're going to get back together at some point by FP is going to be part of the plan to save Alice from the farm. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And that'll result in them being together and also Gladys will be run out of town at some point. I can't wait for Alice. It'll all work out. I can't wait for Gladys to be run out of town. So this was half answered for me. I'm glad that FP and Alice finally addressed some of their issues. I am not happy that somehow we had them get together and break up without anybody else in town knowing about it. Yeah. That's annoying. It's a bit it's a bit much and I don't love it. So moving on, Jughead asks Gladys why she bought the house and Gladys is like, oh well I got the money from selling the chop shop in Toledo. And Jughead's like, yeah, mom, uh I'm super suspicious because you left many years ago, wouldn't let me come live with you, and then showed up here, haven't told me why, what your plan is, how long you're staying. Fair points. Yeah. Fair points. Mm-hmm. And uh Gladys is kind of like, oh well I've been like, you know, missing part of the family, blah blah blah. Uh and uh, maybe I'll get a job in a garage, which brings me to Fan Fiction Quarter. Okay. <laughs> um, for whatever reason, in a lot of fan fictions that I found, Betty works at a garage. It's like, a, or Jughead owns a garage. So there is one called, I think I've mentioned this one before, The Serpent and His Prom Queen. And Betty works in a garage in that one. And then there's another one by the same author where Jughead owns a garage in, I think, like LA or New York or something. I, just... I don't remember. Some other city. Okay. And what's the point of bringing? this up right now <laughs> well uh gladys said she was gonna get a job in a garage so thought it just reminded me anyway check them out they're good stories uh the fun serpent times. and his prom queen it's a good one anyway so jughead is definitely still suspicious of him or of uh of gladys mm-hmm. and then uh, but like it's kind of segued into gladys being like yeah by the way we're throwing fp a birthday party and you're gonna write a speech for him and it's gonna be in the speakeasy tomorrow okay stop with this show with throwing parties and giving people one one day's notice. That is not enough time. Also, stop pretending the speakeasy is a secret illegal speakeasy <laughs> when everybody knows about it and now the sheriff's birthday party is there. Huh. Guess it's not a secret. <laughs> Everyone knows. I mean, the FBI already knew about it, obviously, because he was, like, helping to protect it for a hot sec. But, okay, whatever. But still, like, in general, it's obviously not a secret or, like, hidden speakeasy. Like, it's not a speakeasy at all. Yeah. uh, My prediction is that Gladys is also going to find out about the whole Alice-FP relationship. Like, either either she already knew about it and that was part of her reason for wanting to buy the the Alice Mm -hmm. Cooper house. Or she is going to find out about it later and somehow try to sabotage 
montage, like the memory of it. I don't know. I anyway. can see um, her getting really upset when FP goes to like save Alice from the farm. Uh, and I can yeah. see it being a thing where she's like, are you here for your family or are you going for Alice? And then FP's going to be like, I got to save Alice. I'm really sorry. Like, she's been here for me and you haven't been. And then that will be kind of like. If this was just a drama, that would be the way it It'll goes. be part. Yeah. I think it's going to be part of it. Like, I think there's going to be more to it because the show is ridiculous. Um, but I think that that scene is definitely going to happen. I hope so. Uh, so FP gives a speech to the new serpents again about how they're going to be on the right side of the law. And then they're basically doing like serpent and basic training with the officers and he's like yeah so tom keller is gonna help us out because he was the best sheriff if he was the give him a job then like hire him on as a deputy or like make him sheriff well i guess again. his job is training the serpents to uh, be on the right side of the law i hope it pays well i am i'm not checking this off yet as tom keller having a job but we're getting closer i'm just these people getting jobs i get more and more stressed about them because after reggie like doesn't get paid at all i'm like nervous that maybe none of these people are getting paid like is riverdale in a post-capitalist society because that'd be pretty cool it, it would not surprise me <laughs> well i can't believe it because of hiram but man yeah, yeah. it'd be so um, cool if that was the case However, this entire scene is basically just to serve for Jeg and FP to have like a cute moment where FP is like, I'm so proud and I didn't think I was going to make it to 50 and blah, blah, And he's blah. like, did you think ever think you'd be sitting in the front seat of a cop car? And it's like yeah. a real moment. Oh, it was cute. Yeah. And I really thought like something bad was going to happen. I thought they were going to get in a car Oh, uh, like get something. T-boned at a stop sign or something? Mm. Yeah, I thought something bad was going to happen. Didn't happen. Instead, they get a 1023 to go to Pops, which I looked it up. And in most cases, a 1023 means I have arrived on the scene. So that didn't make sense. And then in like one case, it means there's a break-in, which also doesn't make sense because Veronica is like, oh yeah, some Fizzle Rocks junkie spazzed out and threw coffee on Dolores. So, okay. That's, I don't know why that was a 1023, but if you know, if you can understand police codes better than i do let me know when well, I, I just don't understand it like what like obviously like spell pouring hot coffee on someone would be assault right yeah, but it was an accident i don't think it was an accident oh you know, i thought it was like it. i, I thought the impression they, like, that it was like someone out. was like tweaking and they like got really angry and threw the oh. coffee on them i think if someone just spilled the coffee like, it wouldn't matter that much i thought it was more like someone had like a seizure and like threw the coffee up in the air by accident that's what i thought oh okay, i thought they mind. meant spaz as in like freaked out and did it on purpose but i mean makes much more sense oh Open for interpretation. So Jughead is like, hey, Veronica, I didn't know that Fizzle Rocks were still a thing. Thought we had solved that issue. And Veronica is like, oh, guess they're coming back. And so it's clear that Jughead is like blaming Veronica for this. Mm -hmm. Also thought this was going to be a whole plot line. Didn't really end up happening because Betty talks with Veronica and finds out that Jughead's mom is the new Fizzle Rocks person, mm -hmm. which also is another reason I want to give some points to this episode because, yay, we we finally have some girl talk with Betty and Veronica, even if, though it would mostly serve to like further the plot line. It did have, at least they talked. At least Veronica was like, hey, how are you in Jughead and stuff? Like, at least there was that. Well, and also at least, like, it was two main characters talking about a plot point 
and getting something done. Whereas, like, in the past, like, Veronica would have never said anything. And then, like, in three episodes, Betty would figure this out on her own and then be like, well, Veronica already knew. She could have just texted you. Yeah. So I'm glad that that happened. Veronica tells Jughead about this. And you can tell Jughead doesn't really believe her at first. But at least also, at least this was all one episode. Because this totally could have been a thing where for, like, two episodes, Jughead's like, oh, I can't believe you're taking Veronica's side. She's just so lying and, like, would have been on his mom's side. And then he would have found out and then he would have had to apologize. But instead, it all gets summed up real fast. Because Fangs and Sweet Pea tell Jughead, yeah, confirmed, Gladys is the one selling the drugs. And Jughead talks to his mom. And Gladys is like, yep, totally, totally was a thing. But I'm doing it for the family. I disagree. I don't no, think there's she's doing no it for the way. family. There's no way she's there doing is, it for her family. No. She has proven that she does not care about her family. When Jughead was like, yo, I'm homeless. Can I come visit you? And she was like, no. Yeah, so, I mean, she may be doing it for Jelly Bean, but, like, I'm still just thinking about that whole, like, oh, I've got dad wrapped around my little finger or whatever. Like, that, we're getting somewhere with this. Oh, yeah, no, Um, there's absolutely no way that this is anything but, like, manipulation and not for, again, the right reason. And, of course, Jughead's like, well, I'm going to tell dad. And she's like, don't tell your dad because this might break him for good. And then, like, it'll be your fault. No, it actually won't be his fault, though. Like, I mean, I know on shows they tend to shoot the messenger but like it'll be your fault Gladys because Jughead's gonna say that you're doing it and also like you're the one who left before so I think that there's like some proof here that this would not be Jughead's fault but okay Gladys go off but we do have probably about the fifth scene so far this episode where there it ends with a slow zoom on Jughead's angry or suspicious face. So that happens So that again. means it's your favorite episode ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, FP's 50th birthday party rolls around. Uh, peep that beer fountain. That looked disgusting. I mean, okay, a beer fountain? No. But I was talking to a friend recently who was at a party that had a mimosa fountain. Ooh. And now that is something I can get behind. So I think that Gladys needs to talk to, you know, this other family and and figure out mimosa fountain instead of a beer fountain. Beer is the thing about fountains. No, I'm like, I'm okay with like a beer, but like the fountain situation, it looks cool for like one second, but you either can't drink, like you can't take a drink from it or it's just like sticky and disgusting and it's like sitting out, it's gonna be warm. I don't know. Just not the best way to consume beverages. Anyway, Fred shows up, another person who shows up in the last five minutes of this episode. Um, He's happy about being FP's neighbor. It's like kind of... And like this scene would have really gone gotten me emotional anyways because I like don't know why but I live and die for the Fred FB friendship and I just want them to be best friends but then just like the scene like just seeing Luke Perry back up and like realizing like there are gonna be a few more episodes that have him before he's like written off of the show it's just so sad yeah and I'm really not sure how they're gonna handle that whole situation yet I guess we'll find out soon I don't know yeah probably like maybe two more episodes with him in it we'll see the the other thing that's like does annoy me a little bit though is like I don't like the fact that nobody besides Jughead has brought up the whole like where's Betty gonna live thing I mean I know that like they probably assume she's just gonna go live with her mom somewhere Mm -hmm. but Betty is getting sort of unceremoniously kicked out of her house and I I just remember like Fred and Archie were so good about like making sure Jughead had a place to live when when his dad was in jail that I felt like Fred or FP or somebody should be reaching out to Betty about that as well I mean it's kind of different because like her mom still is in the picture but yeah and I just don't know because 
it could be like they Alice might be telling people that they like have bought something else or they have a new home um, and so then people just yeah. assume that it's all okay um, but at least you know Veronica opened up her home to Betty yeah there is that also <laughs> before Jughead gives his speech there's a there's a shot with Archie in the background and Archie's just still like super beat up and that's kind of funny also you know who's also at this party Who? Tom Keller so like yeah now everyone in town has been in the speakeasy. literally everyone knows about the speakeasy it is not a secret stop pretending Let's it's stop a pretending. secret I guess the speakeasy is no longer secret but the casino night is a secret now but I don't except they were playing like they were playing poker when Cheryl came in in that red dress mm-hmm. they were having another casino night so I think this is just a thing now yeah that they are doing I'm just I'm not about it Ugh, whatever. So Jughead gives his speech and uh, the show tried to make it this moment of like, is Jughead going to mention anything in this speech? Um, I know that like they do that on TV show, but why would he? Like there's no, absolutely no reason why he would need to mention that in the speech in order the to tell FP about person, it. The only person. tell FP about it some other time. The only person on this show who would be doing that is Cheryl. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. So he doesn't, but it's a really sweet speech. I wrote it down, but it's actually like super long, so I'm not going to read it. It was cute. Um, it was cute, you know, he, uh, the cutest part is FP is tearing up while listening to it, and it's all just about, like, Dad, you're the best, you're super strong, you've held this family together, whatever, we're all here for you. Uh, and then, end of the episode, Jughead is talking with Betty, and he's like, yeah, my plan is to save Jellybean, protect my dad, and run my mom out of town. And it was super cute. I love when Betty and Jughead have a plan and they do something together. And just like the look on Betty's face when she's like, oh, I'm in was like, yes. Okay. Yes. But if I was Betty, I'd be like, yeah, that's great. Can we fix the whole farm situation my mom's in? Because like that's been going on for a lot longer and you have yet to help me with that. I feel like um, Betty maybe thinks that like her mom is too far gone after the baptism debacle. I don't know. I don't think Betty's going to give up on this whole farm thing. Thing. I mean, we'll I can't wait for the farm to get just shut down. Yeah. Well, the title of this episode, American Dreams, uh, could potentially be relating to the TV show American Dreams, which was a drama broadcast on NBC from 2002 to 2005. It was a good show. It- I watched it. Oh, you did? I liked oh, cool. it. <laughs> I did not watch it. Did it have anything related to this episode? Um, Not really. It was okay. about um, one of those, like, TV shows where kids danced on TV in the 60s. Mm, <laughs> so I don't okay. think it's about this. I think it's more about, like, the concept of the American dream. Interesting. Well, that's possible. It, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of other stuff called American dreams. I didn't do as much research because I typically just go with whatever is the first or second thing to pop up on Google. So, yes. There could be, like, some weird family dynamic plot points that do make sense with the show, but I just don't remember it very well because it was... Um, a very long time ago. Yeah. So a couple things. Do you, I just want to talk about some predictions here. Do we think that there is going to be another death in the Heather's musical episode? Um. Not sure who they would kill off though. No, I don't think so. I don't think they would do the exact same thing twice. I don't think they will necessarily have a death like in the musical, but I could easily see somebody relating to the farm dying. Oh yeah, maybe. By like a farm ritual thing gone wrong. I think that could easily happen. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be more situations like that with the farm, but yeah, I'm not too sure if it'll happen like in conjunction with the musical or not. It might. How do you think that they're going to handle the Fred and 
Andrew's situation on the show? Do you think they're just not going to mention it and have the character slowly sort of disappear? Do you think they're going to mention it and have Archie's mom come back or him have to live somewhere else? I, I think it's more tricky on this show just relating to the fact that Archie does only live with one parent at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it's really tough too with his mom being played by Molly Ringwald because like she very well could be too busy to come on for like a very common or recurring role. They're definitely going to have to address it and I don't know if they're going to address it with regards to like killing off the character or maybe he goes out of town for something and we just like never hear from him again or or something but they definitely will have to address it whether they're able to you know, wait a little while to do so, that is up for I will say there are other shows, and just to bring up One Tree Hill again, there are several parental characters in One Tree Hill that just sort of, like, are implied that they're there, but they're not actually on screen a lot Mm -hmm. uh, or ever. And then there's also a couple whose characters die, but also die off screen, and the kid is just presumed, I guess, to still be living in their house and stuff, and it's still kind of confusing. So there are some situations like that. So it definitely has happened before. I guess we'll see yeah, it's, how they handled it. It's hard with, like, the single-parent part, because, like, in um, Eight Simple Rules, the um, John Ritter died in between, but then they still had the mom, and they just brought in, like, the grandpa character to kind of fill the gap a little bit. And so maybe they would bring in, like, an extended family member to live with Archie. Maybe. But I just, I really don't know. I want to reiterate, the reason I'm bringing this up is not because this is, like, the most important thing to talk about with Luke Perry passing away. Obviously, his role on a TV show is not the most important thing to be thinking about here, but it is something that's sort of a more unique situation in that it it seems like a trickier spot to write someone out of the show. So I'm just curious to see how it's going to be handled. Yes, we are here. We talk about Riverdale every week, and this is something that's impacting the show Riverdale. Obviously, not trying to be insensitive. We still are sending all of our love to all of Luke Perry's loved ones, um, but it's just, it has to come up. It's part of the discussion now. Do you, how long do you think Hiram and Archie are going to be just like chill, hanging out? Uh, I don't know. Hopefully for a while. I think that they're going to be chill, and then he's going to get back with Veronica. Monica and then more stuff will happen. I think that we've seen the last of Hiram slash Archie in like a big fight for a while because I think they're going to be shifting to the big bad being the farm for the rest of the season. I agree. I think the fact that Gladys is stepping in as a sort of villain and the fact that they have the farm, I, I think that's going to be uh, where we're leading to. Do you think the Griffins and Gargoyles plotline is going to be completely finished within season three or do you think in season four we're going to be talking about Griffins and Gargoyles at all? No, I'm just gonna have to go with my heart on this and I think uh, it's gonna get wrapped up because I don't want to think about the fact that I might have to continue talking about it. (laughs) I agree. I hope that that is also wrapped up. Uh, Do you think Phallus will get back together? Yes. Okay, great. Do you think Veronica and Reggie will get back together? I don't think they will and I'm upset about it. I am too. Uh, That's probably the biggest bummer is that we didn't get to see enough of that relationship. I'm kind of annoyed with that. Where do you think Betty will live in the meantime? Bang bunker. Really? So you you go back. I think she'll probably move in with Veronica, but I think that we won't get many scenes of her actually I think there. like she's going to be staying with Veronica at least sometimes, but it just doesn't make sense that she would be so comfortable being like under high 
Hiram's roof. And so I feel like she'll Mm -hmm. have like Veronica's place as like one of the home bases. But I think that like her main spot is probably going to be the bank bunker. And now let's move on. Who do you think was the most normal person of this week? I would say Reggie, but he tried to steal a car. So how do you, what do you think about this? I think it might have been FP. Like did FP do anything at all that was not something a normal person would do? Yeah, it could be FP. Yeah, I mean, he had a birthday party. He is trying to help his family. He maturely broke up with someone that because his, you know, wife came back in the picture. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I I can't think of anything that he did that was sort of out of the ordinary of what a real human would do. So Yeah, honestly, I'm okay with the FP peg. Happy birthday, FP. You're the most normal person. Yeah, happy birthday. FP has not been the most normal person so far in season three. So that's pretty nice. That is nice. Get a, get a new one out there. All right, everyone. That is pretty pretty much it for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us and we'll be back next week for our recap of episode 16. Until then, you can follow me online at Feral Mary on every platform and you can follow Kirsten at Kirsten Said What on every platform. You can also check out any of the other podcasts we do on thekowskicast.com. That's cow with a K. You can also check out both Kirsten and myself on Rob Has a Podcast recapping Big Brother Canada. If you're interested, Big Brother Canada has only been on for like two weeks now so it's pretty easy if you want to catch back up and if you don't want to watch the live feeds but you're interested in the show the live feed updates are a great way to figure out what's going on without actually having to watch them yes and if you liked this episode please rate us on itunes give us five stars tell us what you like about it tell us what you hate about it i don't care what you write as long as you rate us five stars and we'll read it on the podcast so please help other people find the show also if you are watching survivor this season i was just on another rob as a podcast Uh, episode about Uh, This Week in Survivor, which was sort of a fun episode where I do a Survivor quiz and we talk about social media and it's just very jokey and lighthearted. So if you're interested in that, feel free to check that out as well. Uh, Until next time, talk to you later. Bye. No, 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 no. I'm also not okay with termite.